0: Hey, music. This is Life Elsewhere Music. Curated and hosted by Norman B. With new, obscure, rare, unique, and extraordinary music. Hits of the future. Artists who deserve your attention. And timeless recordings you probably missed.
1: Hello there. Welcome to Life Elsewhere Music, Volume 306. Coming up, a conversation with acclaimed Australian singer-songwriter, Robert Forster. Now he has a new LP, The Candle and the Flame, scheduled for release on Friday the 3rd, February of 2023. Robert has taken a different path creating this album from his past recordings, and he and I are gonna talk about that. To get things underway, here's the first single for Robert's forthcoming LP. The title, She's a Fighter. Then, A Conversation with Robert Forster. This is Life Elsewhere Music.
2: She's a Fighter. She's a fighter. She's a fighter. Fighting for good.
1: First single from Robert Forster's new album, due out in February next year. The album, as I've told you before, is The Candle and the Flame. And I am so thrilled, I'm so pleased to welcome to the program Robert Forster. Robert, welcome to Life Elsewhere. Thank you,
2: Norman. Lovely to be here. Lovely to be talking to you.
1: I'm gonna just be a bit of a fanboy for a moment, and I hope you don't mind. I have been totally enamored with your work for many, many years. And that's going to sound like it's aging me and aging you, but let's be honest about it. You've been around for a long time, and so have I. And I, I, it's, it's the weirdest thing, Robert, because over the years, I've interviewed so many people, and I'm trying to think to myself, how is it possible that I never got to interview the go-betweens when they were traveling through uh, when they're in london or when they were traveling through the us but it never happened but here you are so that's all in the past it's now so thank you so much for doing this i'm i'm very pleased to talk to you I, i've got to let people know that uh, the time difference is always something which i think people find very confusing it's seven o'clock on a sunday evening my time and it's 10 o'clock tomorrow, your time, which is, which is just the kind of mind-bending, isn't it?
2: It is. I, I try, I can work backwards uh, to Europe because I've got family there. Yeah. Um, but, and so, and I've lived there, um, but I've never lived in the United States and I have a, um, a great deal of problems uh, always factoring in time and what time? And also, you know, like what time it is in LA compared to what time it is in Chicago or yeah. Boston? Um, it's you know, it's I can't work that. My mind doesn't click that way, but <laughs> it click in other ways.
1: I want to concentrate, Robert, if you don't mind, on the new album. Yeah. And my my listeners will know that when I first played "She's a Fighter," I just raved about it. And when I when I got when I got the album, I've been I've been raving on and playing tracks from it. But I want to concentrate on this specifically because you have written some very poignant words about this album, and to me, I, I and I don't know. And you can correct me if I'm wrong about this, but. It just seems to me that this you've always written emotive songs, but this just seems to me to be. I'm not going to say it's the most, but it is just profoundly full of emotion. Mm. Am I right about that? It
2: is, it is. Um, and it's, um, the the the. I really can't explain it. it, it yes. I started to write these songs about three or four years ago. I do believe that, that songs, and probably other songwriters have told you this, songs do tend to come in batches. Yes. Um, and um, every album starts with you write the first two or three songs. I find them really important. Those first songs to an album really sort of set the tone are uh, in a bizarre way, even if, you know, you, you, you are going to write an album over three, four, five years, those first songs really uh, influence what you do. And um, so the, the early songs that I, I wrote for this album, like some of the first ones, like When I Was a Young Man and Tender Years are uh, always just sort of set me on a path, I think, and, and they were the songs that I wrote. And then with She's a Fighter was a different set of circumstances because my wife was diagnosed with cancer. And um, I thought I had an album written to record the following year. But She's a Fighter was the one song that I wrote after her diagnosis and it's the one song post-diagnosis on the the album. The rest of the songs were written in the years before, but it all you listen to it and it all seems one uh, line
1: of thought. You talk about, you've written about She's a Fighter and there's a great line that you've written. You said it's the most Ramon-esque or Ramones-like because it's yeah. like basically two lines. And, I, and yeah. I found that fascinating because you do yeah. write some some seriously, not complicated, but but you write lyrics that have got... Lots of different words in, and, and this yeah. this is very different for you. The other thing about it, Robert, is that you're talking about something which is which touched me and touches anybody uh, that that has uh, a partner, a lover, a, that yeah. is is diagnosed with an illness. Yeah. Um, but this is so this is so up. It's such yeah. a, a sort of an up song.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. When when I. I wrote it, it's the fastest song I've written maybe ever in my career, you know. And so to write that at 64 is great, you know. Like, I, yes. I find when I write a really up tempo pop song, I think uh, I really enjoy that because I think I'm in my 50s or my 60s, uh, and I'm writing something like that is really good because I think when you get older, Writing ballads is easy in a way, you know, yeah, like.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, but to write a really edgy, um, quick track is, is, or some music is really uh, thrills me. Yes. And But it, it was just, I'd written that music and then Karen's diagnosis came. But I also knew with that music, there wasn't much room for a lyric, you know, like it, because yes. there was so changes are so quick. It had to just be spat out, this sort of – so whatever I was going to write about, I knew that there wouldn't be many lines to this song. Um, and so it's just coming down to the, the two lines, you know, she's a fighter fighting for good. Um, yeah. And that's all I needed. And it's the it's probably the fastest song I've ever written. It's definitely the most minimal in terms of uh, lyric, Um that I've ever written, just two lines. And and finally, you know, like one of my, really a spur to my songwriting uh, that really set me up and inspired me was the first Ramones album um, that, that came out in 76. Yeah. And, and that, that was sort of, and, and they had a whole new slam on lyric writing that was just very lean and funny Uh and that was a big influence on me. It's always been there. And so uh I was happy to to cut it down as much as they used to do, you know.
1: Can I say something else at my observation? And again, you can correct me, but it's up, yet at the same time it comes across to me there's I'm not maybe angry is not quite the word, but there's a yeah. There's an energy about it that is like it's almost like you're saying, Fuck you, cancer. I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna let you ruin yeah. my wife or my life. I just get that feeling from this. Is, yeah, is yeah, it? it
2: is. Yeah, it is. It, it the first time I played it was um we, Karen heard that uh xylophone line. So yeah. we went out and bought the xylophone. And so that, that gave it a balance, which which I hadn't, you know, I would have when I wrote the song, I would not have thought of that. And and that's what Karen does; she takes the song, she hears the xylophone line, and buys the xylophone and can just play it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that took it in one direction. The other direction that it went was was our son Lewis um, plays uh, guitar, bass, and percussion, that metal percussion, which gave it an enormous amount of energy. You know, when he came up with that guitar line and the chorus, he just, he he was, when he was playing all of that, he was 23. So oh. there, there's a, you know, like there's a 23-year-old let loose on that track. And and so Lewis is just any, any sort of, yeah, like that really propelled it along as well. Um, and with Karen's sort of um, xylophone bouncing in, but that's got a real intensity as well. Um, yeah, it, it was just something that we all... The, so it's all the family on the record. Um, and your daughter's
1: just, on the record, right, as well, Loretta. Is uh, on the Your daughter. Yeah, is.
2: Loretta, yeah, yeah. And so when when we had this song and I'd written it and then Karen had the xylophone line down, I showed the song to Lewis. And he came up with, with, we immediately thought that we'd keep this as a family song. Yes. And so through the recording process, people came up with ideas and th- there was always the possibility of someone overdubbing something more onto it. Yes. But we always went, no, like we just want to keep this as the one pure, purely um, the family song. Yes. Um, and so there was just the four of us. We, we just really wanted to keep it like that.
1: And it works, Robert. It works very, very well. She's a Fighter. We just played it. It's from Robert's new album. Doesn't come out until next year, The Candle and the Flame. I've got to ask you about the title. I've got to ask you lots of questions. But the title, The Candle and the Flame.
2: It came, there's a line from a song called Go Free. And it we, when, when Karen's diagnosis came through, we, we, we lit a candle, like, like we had candles on for the first six months in the house, like once, one every night. So, you know, I'd already written the lyric and we had that candle. It just sort of, it just fitted. I can't pin it down to one thing. It was just, it was just the mood of the record. Um, yes. And I had a few titles, but as soon as we started to just say it, it felt right. Yes. That's all I could. It just sat with the record.
1: You know, Robert, having listened to the album many times over, uh-huh. what I like to do when I get a new album that I'm really, really pleased with, I like uh-huh. to listen again and again and again. And what yeah. I do is I, I make a copy and I put it in my car and I put it on my, uh-huh. if I go to the gym, you know what I mean? And I like to just yeah. listen. It's yeah. one of those albums uh, that the from track to track, often when I, when I listen to an album I think, okay, I'm going to miss that track because I don't, yeah. it's not really, this one, I keep listening all the way through and it has, has a, a continuity that I think yeah. works so incredibly well. Having just said that, I want you, as we're talking, to, we'll do a couple of breaks, but I want you to choose some music that we can play. It can be from the album, or For if sure. you've got something else that you think that we should hear. But I'm open to your suggestion, and we'll just slot that in. Let's take a musical break right now, put some music in, and I want you to think about a question that I want to ask you afterwards, and that is you mentioned something just a little while ago. You said about being 64, and I want to talk to you about that horrible word that some people think is terrible, age. I want to talk about age, but before, before that, let's hear a piece of music. What do you want to hear?
2: Well like a track from the, the record, like uh It's only Poison, the third track on the, yes. the record. Um yes. is um it's just a, a flowing track. Um uh, and it's just got a feel to it that I've never really done. Uh it's sort of like a like a rootsy Velvet Underground type of song. Yes. I yeah. I it's it's um and and uh Karen started to sing on it, so that's her vocal on it. So she sang, again, I, I give the songs to people. I've always done this going all the way back through the go-betweens. Um, I'm not a talented enough musician to go, you know, oh, can you do that, you know, to have a room full of people and be telling them what to play, but showing them is, you know, like what to play is, is not, right. is something that I do. And so Karen just came up with the vocal idea. Um, Lewis came up with all the guitar, which is amazing. And, our, um, and Adele plays bass. It's just that this is a live track. What, what you're going to hear is four people in a room playing. There's no other instruments coming in later. This is all live. I'm singing live.
1: This is four people in a room. Here it is. It's Only Poison. This is Life Elsewhere.
2: Only poison
1: Just joining us, my guest, talking to us from Brisbane, Australia. At his summer home, I understand, is the acclaimed singer-songwriter, the legendary singer-songwriter Robert Forster. His new album is called "The Candle and the Flame." That's track number three. It's only poison. So good, Robert. It really is. It just a, yeah. what a, it's just got a such a it's got a really tight sound to it. And when you just told me that was like four people in a room just being just recording. It yeah. doesn't. It doesn't sound like it's over. You know, how sometimes things are overproduced. This just comes across yes. as very, very organic.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's even four people, not even spread apart in a room, like we right. were, because we we were. It was the formation that we played in our lounge room, like, because yes. because Karen couldn't travel, um, we um, because of her, her cancer diagnosis we were rehearsing in our lounge room. Um, and so when we went in the studio, we just did the same thing. And, and like, there's no... The four of us weren't playing with headphones. Um, we were just listening to each other. The engineer just mic'd us up. So it wasn't like there was one person in one corner and one person in another. We we were sitting, like, in a circle. And uh, I'd never done anything like that in my life. Um but it was also we couldn't keep going back to the studio we just didn't have the time with all the care that it took to get current through chemotherapy so we had no time for rehearsals yes. you know programs. we 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 had no time to spend weeks fine tuning things we had to, we knew we just had to get live performance in the studio but that it had to sound really good at the same time you know like that, that there was arrangements and uh, that's what you hear on
1: that track. So good, thank you for that explanation. Now let's move to the word that I mentioned before. We heard uh, it's okay. only poison, and that is age. You talked yeah. about it, and I'm, I'm I'm curious, Robert. Yeah, you've been around for for a few years now, and yeah, so yeah. have I. So have I. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know about you, but. Is age something that you've started to think about as you've passed a certain was there a certain marker when you said, "Oh, I'm not 28 anymore? Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Um age has never
2: really bothered me, particularly in the music industry. Um, in the mu- I I was not a well, for a start, I wasn't a good-looking boy <laughs> wanting to be a pop star in the in the music. So, so I was never really riding on my looks. Um, so that's one thing that I didn't have to worry about. I I, I was never going to be an aging pop star um, because I wasn't going to be a pop star in the first place. Um, so that that never um, came into my life. Um, and I've seen in other lots of painters and filmmakers and photographers often did their some of their best work or their best work when they were 50, 60, 70, 80. I always knew that. So age has never really been a big thing to me uh, in my work and really, you know, obviously in my mind and in, in my body, which I try, you know, I heard that you go to the gym. my um, <laughs> I try and keep as fit and eat as well as I can. Yes. really that's what yeah. you, you do. Um, yeah. And so I just do that. Um, and I, I never really believed any of the rock and roll cliches of, you know, live fast, die young. That, right. that sounded a hollow to me when I was in my 20s. Um, yes. So, um, and I love what I'm doing, so I don't want to stop. So yeah, you know, ages in terms of my life, yes, it plays a role. Um but as I said to you, I try and look after myself as best I can. And in 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 music, I I've always liked older artists and well for all the reasons I gave you, it, it's never played a really big part in, in what I do.
1: Yes. Good answer, and I really I, once again thank you very much for, for for sharing that. It it's very interesting, you know, Robert, talking to an artist that you've been uh, very fond of for a long time, and then having the opportunity to to talk to you. Uh, yeah. One thing that I'm curious about, because you touched on it again, something you just touched on, and that is recording, and and the setup that you had with recording. It's only poison. I'm curious to know whether the whole recording process for Robert Forster has always been an enjoyable situation, or is it something? Have you ever had a situation where you, I'm not going to say loathe, but you're sort of a little sort of apprehensive about it? Do you always go into it with the same attitude?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, there's times where you find yourself in a studio and you just. No, it is working and it's okay, but it's not uh, really. And it's really hard. You know, it's not really working as, as well. It's working, but it's not working as well as you know that it should be. Um, and it's really frustrating. There's almost like nothing that you can do about it. You 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 can make every type of preparation. Um but it doesn't work. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. Yeah. Like the the um, the Go-Between's fifth album, Tallulah, which came out in 1987, yes. and we recorded. You know, we, we were just, I just knew we were in the wrong. The album before, Liberty Bell and the Black Diamond Express, which is our fourth album, everything went right. We are in the right studio. It, had, it was just, the, the band was just in the right mood. We had the right material, and it worked. And then the next album, it was like there was budget problems. We're in a not as good studio um, and you could just feel we're in the wrong place and it wasn't uh, working. And I remember sitting there going, this just is not where we should be and we're not making exactly a record that was in my head. But other people that, that, that hear the record they They don't know any of that, and so they they're facing the record with just this is what we've got, this is what's to go between to put out, you put it on, and they love it. I can totally understand that, but for me as an artist, you know like being in there and knowing what I know yes um there there are and there's been a a couple of other times um one of my solo albums, I knew it was not going right um to my satisfaction so it does happen. You've always got to be on the lookout for it because it can just creep up on you. And, uh, but yeah, it's a very just dis- because also because I've not been an artist who, and the go betweens weren't in, in, in the late 80s in that phase where you can go, um, okay, this is not working. Yeah. Let's stop. We're going to lose 10, 20, 30,000 pounds here. 20, Thirty thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars, forty thousand dollars. Let's walk away. You know, uh, we're not in a U two situation where, or you know, like or you know, the strokes or you know, whatever big band you want to make, You know, and just go. This is not working. We walk away. We come. We reevaluate. We always had to go through with it, and so did I. So that adds a little bit of a, a disconcerting feeling to you as well.
1: I want to move back to talk about the album, but I do have a question, a follow-up to the, that one, and that is performing live. I have seen you perform live uh, with the go-betweens, uh, or as the go-betweens, um, many years ago, and I'm, I'm curious to know the difference for you, for Robert Forster, being in the studio and then being in front of an audience. Uh, do you like being in front of an audience?
2: Love it, love it. Yeah.
1: Always, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The feedback is important to you.
2: Yeah, I just like the whole theatre of it. I just like uh, um, the feedback I get is really important. Um, I just like the the entire experience of, and I I enjoy it when I go and see a concert too. I you know yes. I can be on stage, enjoy it. I can be in the audience and enjoy it. Um, and uh, I like it's just a thrill. It's just yes. you know like and, and, and you're playing your own material and so you've had all these songs, you know, and some are from the eighties, some are from the late 70s,
1: right? Some from the,
2: and so I always play a very a mixed uh, a mixed uh, selection of what I've written. Because to me it's it's all in a way, one thing, um, one strand. Um, and so I like to play a song from the late 70s, you know, and put a bang up something that bang against the song after I've just played that I wrote a year ago, you know, like off or off something from the album. So I like, there's many aspects to playing live. And I'm a, I'm a natural performer, it's something that I enjoy doing. Um, so I like it very much. I probably like it, like in in terms of the musicians that you interview. I probably, because I know there's a lot of musicians and songwriters who love the studio um, and and could live there um, and and create circumstances that they can live there, who get lost in the studio. I've Mm -hmm. met so many people. Marriages fall away, uh, you know, like, their life is chaos, but they love the studio. Um, I've met many people like that. Um, I, I like being in the studio, but after about a couple of weeks, a month or two, I'm done. You know, I sort of just coming to this room every day, starts to, I need life again. I, I need to get out again. Yes. Um Where performing live, I could do for, you know, I could, I really love it. I um, saw so I'm probably not a usual musician or songwriter. I actually prefer being you know performing to actually recording.
1: I love it. I think that's terrific. let's play another cut from the album and then yeah. I want to focus in on the album and I want to talk to you, Robert, about this album has and'm I'm, again I'm trying to use my words carefully, but it has a weight. Hanging over yeah. it, and and I want yeah. to talk about that. So let's choose another track. And what would you like to hear?
2: Uh, look, look, play. I would like to hear. Um, always. Um, which always. Is yes. Probably the the most is the is the well, which she's a fighter in a way. Um, the poppiest track on the record. It's a. Yes. It's a sort of. Uh, uh. It's a pop song, and uh, I. As I say, I still love playing those, writing them and performing them a great deal. And uh, I'm thinking if I go on tour, this could be the first song that I play. Yes.
1: Uh, So, always. Here it is, always. Robert Forster, this is Life Elsewhere. (laughs)
2: I've been thinking about you, always I've been thinking about you, always At the edge of financial ruin, always Interested in what other people are doing Always Always. There's been a breakdown at the intersection Out on Highway 5 And the moon And the stars And the moon
1: My guest is Robert Forster. His new album is titled The Candle and the Flame. We just heard always. You know, I don't think there's a song on this album that I I, I don't think is, uh, I mean, I do think rather <laughs> that is just deserving of, of just being heard by everybody. I mean, I, I would like to just keep on playing and playing and playing. I want to talk to you, Robert, about the uh, what I just described as being the weight. And I'm not, sure that's the right way to say it but there is an aura over this album because of your wife's diagnosis yeah i'm wondering for you how important that is that people listening to the album Mm. pick up on that or understand that is that something that you are uh, concerned about insofar as that you want people to know that or, or do you want them just to, and I don't mean just, I'm not throwing it away but the, 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 they don't have to sort of know the inside details, just enjoy the music
2: A bit of both I think yeah. uh, People can approach the album any way they wish um, I don't think they, they have to know the story of its role for- recording and, and, and creation. Um, but it that does it's it's definitely this is a record that comes with a story. It's like no other record I've ever made. Yes. Uh, um, and so um, I mean Karen really drove the album. Like it was very important for her to make the record and put it out. Um, and she wants the the, the message for the message is perhaps the wrong word, but the the, the the feeling that she wants to come off the record and, and people that know the story is a positive one and it's an uplifting one. And so that's very important to her and to, to me. Um But I think the record can be taken either way.
1: It's a record. It's an album that it, obviously there's so much passion and... and... There's so much of you into this album. I, I yeah. was wondering, Robert, how different this—the making of this album—was for you going into making this album. Whether you knew yourself that from the get-go, this was going to be a different, a different Robert Forster album.
2: Yes, it did. Um, it came kind of, like the the record. We didn't, there was a particular moment when we knew it was going to be a record. Um, I'll have to give you just a little bit of backstory um, about it in that we started playing these songs just at home after Karen's diagnosis as a way after like a hard day of medical things, we started to play these songs at night. We weren't thinking about making an album. And then after a, a, a couple of, two months where Karen was doing her first chemotherapy, um, we decided uh, she then had an operation coming up. And by this time, we, we'd had a... Uh, our son had been playing with us for a, a couple of months, a couple of weeks, um, Adele, the bass player. And so there was like four of us playing these 10 songs. Only nine ended up on the album. And we none of us were thinking about an album, and then um, just before Karen had a, the, uh, a, this medical procedure, um, a big one, we just taped the songs in the studio um, to have this document to always have this. We didn't know the future. We didn't know the future. The future was unknown. Her future was unknown. And so it was just going to be a private document. Uh, that's what we're thinking at the time that we'd always have these recordings. This one yeah, day of recordings, and that's what. It's Only Poison was one of the tracks. And so then Karen had the procedure and we were listening to the tape and we thought, well, I Don't Do Drugs Over Time, which is another track on the album. Um, And It's Only Poison. These two songs of the 10, we thought, they're finished. These are recordings that we could put out. These are, and it was like, let's try and do more. And so it was a gradual step into the album. Where, where we made this one-day session and then we started to hear an approach that we could actually, um, because when we had the songs, it was like, how are we going to, if we want to do more recording, if we could, like, it just seemed that we couldn't build it. We couldn't, we didn't, we didn't have time to go into the practice room. We didn't have time to round up a whole lot of musicians. We didn't have time to do, involve intri- intricate productions on any of the songs, really. And so it was like, but then we heard this recording and these two songs jumped out. And I was like, well, they sound great and they sound really fresh and they sound really different Uh, and, and there's a completeness to them. And so that was really the start of the record after we'd been playing just privately for our own enjoyment for a couple of months.
1: I'm going to make a proposal to you, and that is that we continue this conversation on, talking about the album and talking about whatever else you want to talk about, Robert, because this is, this is just wonderful, having this conversation with you. I'm learning so much, and I know my audience is is, is learning such a lot. Quick question before we wrap this part up. Sure. Are you planning to do some touring to, to uh, work this album?
2: Yeah, yeah. There, there are some dates booked in uh, the UK, Ireland, and Germany over about three weeks in March,
1: uh-huh.
2: and touring Australia for about three weeks at the end of May. That's what we've got so far. We, right. We're just sort of taking it very, very slowly, um, and. Uh, But that's what we, yes. But there are, and um, at the moment, it's just going to be me on tour. There won't be a band. I just want to do this.
1: No, that's Um, great. What about America? Any chance of coming to the States?
2: I don't know yet. Um, We'll just have to see. That's always, you know, when I do that, it's always sort of later. Um, We'll have to just see how the record is received and what comes down the um, turnpike.
1: Last question, and this is a, a, a something which I think all my listeners are going to want to want to know how is Karen right now how is uh, how is her health
2: um she is is um, things are a lot steadier um, she is on a, a new uh, medication a tablet form um, she's getting stronger um, she's feeling well um, the nine months of chemotherapy and the, the operation is behind her and you know we're still taking things day to day week to week but um she is stronger and better than she's been um in the last since the diagnosis
1: she's great robert if you don't mind i'm going to t- take us out with the uh, tender years because i think that is just so yeah. fitting oh great
2: yes. great idea yes yes,
1: yes. I have just thoroughly enjoyed talking to you, my friend. You're a great you. conversationalist, and thank you for sharing some very important things with us. Let's do it again. I'm going to talk to your promotion guy, and we will fit, set, set up another time. How does that sound?
2: That sounds great, Norman. You you talk to Robert, and yeah. um, and we'll we'll organise the time. I'm more than happy. It's been great chatting to you. This this is the first. Uh, you know, like I just haven't done interviews over the last couple yes. of years. It's the yes. interviews I'm doing for the record. Um so yeah, like it's gone really well. But love chatting with you. It's just been an absolute pleasure. And thank you, man. And you organize it and I'll be there.
1: Thank you so much. My best to you, your wife and your family, and looking okay. forward to talking to you again. Really appreciate it. We will do it. Thank you, man. We will
2: do it. And thank you for the sensitivity and the understanding and enthusiasm for the record. It's really appreciated, very much appreciated. Through the ages, she's a book of a thousand pages that you can thumb. Images of her are vivid, her beauty has not withered from her entrance in chapter one. I've been a story with her, no I can't live without her, I can't imagine one. I know it's growing daily Lately I see how far we've come Memory is a servant And I have been observant There is a story to tell Laughter was distorted Wind came Plans were aborted Love scenes are at night story with her. know I can't live without her. I can't imagine one. Walking through salt and water. I see how far we've come. Time is important. Timing is more important. Without it, a story can end. It's a German city by a river Very pretty and it was there The timing was our friend Come on I'm in a story
1: for such an intimate conversation that was part one Robert has asked that we do a follow up so part two will air very soon subscribe to Life Elsewhere to find out more details just go to lifeelsewhere.co. to take us up to the close here's another cut from The Candle and the Flame when I was a young man Till next time be well, be safe and you know it makes sense Be nice.
2: When I was a young man,
1: 21,
2: I wrote songs, I was unsung, unheralded and undone. When I was a young man, I lived in a house, down a lane was so beautiful there The times were insane I wrote more songs And I heard the rain In that house down the lane When I was a young man I didn't know People told me Go man, go That's what they told me Go, go, go When I was a young man Elder brothers I had a few One was named David And the other was Lou They showed me what it was That I could do David and Lou Yeah, 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 yeah Ah, yeah Yeah, 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 yeah Ah, yeah Raised by mother, raised by dad Raised by my brother in the harmony that we had I was never lonely and I was never sad I was never lonely I left home at twenty-one I didn't go far I followed the sun Making it brighter everyone I left home at 21 perceptive girl of 21 I looked high and low I found none how fast can a young man run let me tell you there were none The brothers, they came along There was a new David and there was Tom They bewitched me in wardrobe and song When I was a young man When I was a young man When I was a young man
0: have been listening to Life Elsewhere Music hosted and curated by Norman B. We'd love to hear what you think of the program and we want to hear your music. Contact us at this address info at lifeelsewhere.co That's C-O To hear the show again go to the Life Elsewhere Music page at lifeelsewhere.co or go to Life Elsewhere at Mixcloud <laughs> Life Elsewhere music is produced by Norman B and recorded in one take without edits <laughs> Thank you for enjoying Life Elsewhere music